22 of our summer reading plan. Psalm 150 was included, and that next Sunday it was the scripture lesson. I had read it a whole lot of times before, as most of you probably have. When I was really young, I thought Psalm 50 was the last chapter in the Bible because the little Gideon Bible that I had gotten at school was New Testament and Psalms. You're laughing, so I guess I'm not the only person who thought that. Despite that familiarity, however, reading it this time gave me uh, a new insight. Psalm 150 is, as you probably know, a psalm of praise. Six verses in which the writer beseeches the reader to praise God in various places for various reasons with various musical instruments. As I read verse 5, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals, I sat up straight and I suddenly remembered something from nearly 40 years ago. In the spring semester of my junior year at Wesleyan, I took a seminar course on Southern women writers. I loved that course. And I loved my professor, Mrs. Ketchum. It was a joy to go to class, a joy to read the assigned books. It introduced me to the authors Ann Tyler and Gail Godwin and Maya Angelou. It opened me up to the sound of contemporary Southern voices, and it kindled a flame in me that had all but gone out. I had decided in second grade that I was going to be an author one day, just like that. It never occurred to me that I couldn't. That was before I knew about shame and that kind of thing. But I was seven years old, and what did I know? Over the years, I started listening to what other people said about what I did and the way I looked. I absorbed the expectations of society and the standards of strangers. And while I didn't completely lose sight of that dream, it was always a little speck on the horizon, I never really thought about what I could do to make it a reality. That class caused me to start dreaming again. But it was a difficult semester otherwise. A few months before, my best friend Catherine's mother had passed away after a long battle with cancer. A week after her mother's memorial service, Catherine had an emergency appendectomy and post-surgical complications. There was no other family. I have a tendency toward caretaking, and caretaking is what I set forth to do. By that time, Mrs. Ketchum had assigned to us the keeping of a journal as a part of our coursework. Now, normally that's something that, you know, I would be like a duck to water on, but I was tired. I was stretched. I wrote the bare minimum and without much enthusiasm. When the journal was returned to me, Mrs. Ketchum had written in the margin of one page, the vessel that continues to pour out without replenishing soon sounds like sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Ouch. I mean, I love an allusion to the King James Bible as much as anybody, but boy, that one hurt. It hurt badly mostly because I knew she was right. I was exhausted, and I had given the journal the same attention I'd given all my other assignments, enough to get by. 
I didn't know yet that in order to be of service to anyone else, I had to first take care of myself. You know, that whole thing on the airplane, you know, put your mask on first. I didn't know that I had to tend that new heart that God had given me, that I had to nurture its gifts. I didn't know it then, and to be honest, I didn't know it for a long time to come. I can't tell you how often over the years I've thought about that note in the margin of my journal, how often I've felt embarrassment and shame, how much regret I've experienced over my failure to offer my best to a teacher I admired so much. And that was the memory that sprang to my mind as I read verse 5 of Psalm 150. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. What I heard was praise him with the failures. Praise him with the crushing failures. And as I continued working on my remarks for today, it was as though God said, See, Kathy, I want you to be willing to use even the symbols, even the things that bring you embarrassment and shame to tell your story. That is how you are going to live a wholehearted life. Embrace the failures, the limitations, the imperfections, and go fill the world with stories. I don't think that message was just for me. I think it was for all of us. Not all of you are going to tell your stories by writing books, but some of you might. Not all of you are going to tell your stories through beautiful music like Elizabeth or beautiful artwork like Haley, but some of you might. But every single one of you has a story, a story of grace and redemption. And by embracing the imperfections that make you, you, by letting go of the shame that is most certainly not, you will take your place in the one big story. The story of life abundant and creative and, yes, wholehearted. Please join me as we pray. Father God, creator and author of all the best stories, Thank you for your presence in our lives and in this place. Thank you for giving us the capacity to experience life wholeheartedly and for teaching us through your word and our relationships and our experiences what it means. Strengthen us, Lord, to resist those things that would provoke the negative emotions of shame and perfectionism and to embrace those things that encourage faith and joy and service. Take our hearts, Lord, broken though they may be, and use all that lies within them to infuse this world with the fragrance of love and redemption. 
Send your Holy Spirit to work in us today and tomorrow and each tomorrow after that so that we may embrace our failures, our limitations, our perfections and go forth from this place to fill the world with stories. In Jesus' name, amen.